Pastor Xavier Reese explains that while the wages of sin is death, the gift of salvation yields eternal life. Each person, if you do not know Jesus Christ, you will pay for your own sins before God. There'll be no point in fingers. There'll be no excuses, no justifications, and the truth will be revealed. But it doesn't have to be like that because Christ died for you. And if you open your heart to Him, He says He'll forgive you, He'll save you. It doesn't have to go that way. Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. The term PNR, or point of no return, is a phrase that often indicates inevitable disaster. For example, it's used in air navigation to refer to the point during the takeoff roll when there is no longer enough runway ahead of the airplane to safely stop. At this point, the aircraft is committed to taking off. But there's also an application we could make to the Israelites of the prophet Jeremiah's time. Because of their continuous idolatry and refusal to repent, they put themselves in a position of facing God's certain and devastating judgment. Let's join Pastor Xavier continuing our study series in the book of Jeremiah with a study from chapters 11 and 12 titled, Service in Full Trust. The people of Jeremiah's day had broken the covenant of God. And so God calls his prophet to go and to proclaim that their conspiracy against Yahweh only provoked him to anger and that they would be doomed and broken. The prophet is told by God not to pray for the people any longer. Now this isn't the first time he's told them that's before. It's always a very dark day when God says don't pray for them any longer. Remember Samuel says, God forbid that I stop praying for you. The New Testament tells us in 1 John 5, towards the end there, that there's a sin that leads to death, one that does not lead to death, and then we should not pray for. Now, God alone knows where those lines are. But uh, when God tells somebody to stop praying for them, that's it's pretty devastating. Now, the outcome was that the people plotted against Jeremiah to take his life. Jeremiah, who was called to proclaim the broken covenant, becomes the broken prophet as he is plotted against by the people. This is the fourth sermon of Jeremiah, chapter 11 and 12. Our text teaches us that service to God must embrace three absolute truths about God. Let me read our text for us. Now the Lord gave me knowledge of it, and I knew it. For you show me these things. But I was... Like a docile lamb brought to the slaughter, and I did not know that they had devised schemes against me, saying, Let us destroy the tree with its fruit, and let us cut him off from the land of the living, that his name may be remembered no more. But, O Lord of hosts, you who judge righteously, testing the mind and the heart, let me see your vengeance on them. For to you I have revealed my cause. Therefore, thus saith the Lord concerning the men of Anathoth, who seek your life, saying, Do not prophesy in the name of the Lord, lest you die by our hand. Therefore, thus saith the Lord of hosts, Behold, I will punish them. The young men shall die by the sword. Their sons and their daughters shall die by famine. And there shall be no remnant of them, for I will bring catastrophe on the men of Anathoth, even the year of their punishment. Righteous are you, O Lord. When I plead with you, 
Yet let me talk with you about your judgments. Why does the way of the wicked prosper? Why are those happy who deal so treacherously? You have planted them, yes. They have taken root. They grow, yes. They bear fruit. You're near to their mouth, but far from their mind. But you, O Lord, you know me. You have seen me. And you have tested my heart towards you. Pull them out like sheep for the slaughter and prepare them for the day of slaughter. How long will the land mourn and the herbs of the field wither? The beasts and the birds are consumed for the wickedness of those who dwell there because they say he will not see our final end. If you have run with footmen and they have wearied you, then how can you contend with horses? And if in the land of peace in which you trusted they wearied you, then how will you do in the floodplain of the Jordan? For even your brethren, the house of your father, even they have dealt treacherously with you. Yes, they have called a multitude after you. Do not believe them, even though they speak smooth words to you. Service to God must be embraced by three absolute truths about God. First, God is the protector of the servant. This is the revelation, verse 18 through 23 of chapter 11. Secondly, God is sovereign over the servant. This is in view of the objection, verse 1 through 4 of chapter 12. And then thirdly, God is sufficient for the call of the servant. This is the exhortation in verse 5 and 6. A difficult time for the prophet. That's why he's called the weeping prophet. Jesus is identified. That's why they thought Jesus was Jeremiah. And so the Bible allows us to see a man in his environment. A man who is one like us and God calls him in the midst of evil. In the midst of all this, we see his frustrations. We see his despair. We see his crying out to God. We see him being one with God, but yet he's one with the people. We see a man torn. So we can identify. We, we go through the same things. Nothing new under the sun, Solomon said. And so God is the protector of the servant. This is the revelation, the first thing that he declares to Jeremiah in verses 18 through 23. This is the, what's considered the first confession of Jeremiah. Now, confession is not confessing his sins, but it's talking about the inner life of Jeremiah. As I have just explained, his frustrations. His pain. And you find them between chapter 11 and chapter 20. They're called the Confessions of Jeremiah. This is the very first one here in this section. Notice first in verse 18 through 20. The perception of the prophet is enlightened by Yahweh. This is always good. Mark it well. You're not as smart as you think you are. (laughs) Nor I. I don't know everything. He knows things that I don't even know about. Notice the Lord reveals to Jeremiah the plot against him. He gives him a word of knowledge. He didn't know it. He shows Jeremiah the people's doing against him. There are people who don't like me. People that don't like you because you're a Christian. And they plot against you. And you're ignorant about it. But God is not. And he can warn you. The plot against Jeremiah was secretive. Verse 19 says, 
Jeremiah saw himself as a lamb. When, he, when the Lord revealed it to him, he saw himself as a lamb brought to the slaughter, much like Jesus prophetically in Isaiah 53, 7 and 8. Defenseless. The contrast of God's knowledge about the plot in Jeremiah's ignorance is marked by the word but. He was going on his business, thinking that everything's okay. God knew the reality. Notice Jeremiah was ignorant as to their device schemes against him. In other words, they had brought many plans to try to lure him to kill him. Remember, Nehemiah came to rebuild and, and they asked him to come out to the plain of Ono. And he says, oh no, I can't go. They should have picked another plane. I'm doing the work of God. How can I leave this thing? The prophet qu- quoted their very words. Let us destroy the tree with its fruit and let us cut him off from the land of the living and the, his name may not be remembered anymore. They hate Jeremiah. They resented Jeremiah and saw him as an undesirable tree with its unpalatable fruit, the preaching of the judgment to come. You see, a lot of people like to be Christians and say they're Christians as long as God is doing good for them. But when things get rough, then they don't know if they want to be identified with God. Now, some think the word fruit here refers to family. But as you know, Jeremiah is going to be told by God in chapter 16, verse 2, not to take a wife or have sons or daughters because of the horrible judgment to come. Those of his own house had would be the ones to betray him. And we'll see this as we move along. Remember that Yahweh warned Jeremiah at his call and his commission in chapter 1. He says, I've made you an iron pillar, a brazen wall. Don't be confounded before their faces, lest I dismay you. They're going to hate you, Jeremiah. They're going to make faces at you. They're going to tell I'm going to kill you. And he says, don't get scared. Because if you're afraid of them, then I'll make you afraid of me. For 40 years he preached to a people that would not listen. And he told them before he sent them. He said, why did he send them? Because God always warns. Their intent to kill Jeremiah, notice, is reemphasized by the second metaphor of cutting him off from the land of the living. They hated Jeremiah, therefore they did not want his name to be remembered. For he stood as a witness to their shame and rebellion and a reminder of Yahweh to them. There are people that are not going to like you, don't want you around, because you remind them of their shame, and you remind them of a God who has absolute truth and error in mind. And you make them uncomfortable. Notice, secondly, in verse 20, that the prayer of the prophet reveals that he entrusted his defense to Yahweh. This is good. Jeremiah acknowledges Yahweh as the Lord of hosts. The captain of the armies of heaven. We've gone over this before. He's never lost a battle. This is in contrast to the inferior earthly power to fight against Jeremiah by the word but. Sometimes when we get too overwhelmed, we look at the opposition, we look at what's going on. But when you compare it to the power of God who's before you, who's your defender, then that's the right perspective, you see? So we have to trust and call upon the Lord of hosts to defend us. But notice also the contrast is in Jeremiah's own defenselessness. As a lamb to the slaughter, being ignorant, while Yahweh is neither defenseless, weak, or ignorant. Jeremiah also, notice, acknowledged to Yahweh that he was one who judged righteously or perfectly, without any mistake, knowing the mind and the heart of man. 
So Jeremiah is going through some mental torment here. He says, now I know you're, you're righteous. I know you can't make mistakes, Lord. But and I know you try the mind and heart. And the phrase here, mind and heart, literally means kidneys and heart. You have the old King James that says kidneys. Because in the Eastern mind, the Hebrew mind, it focused on the visceral area. And they felt that this was the seat of emotion and affection and the will and, and the intellect. When you get afraid, where do you feel it? Your gut. When you laugh a lot, what starts hurting? Your gut. All takes place in the visceral region. So Jeremiah pleads for God's vengeance on those who have plotted against his life. This is a pattern, by the way, in each time there's a confession of Jeremiah in chapter 12, 15, 17, 18, 21, and 20. Every time that, he asks for judgment upon the people. I like Jeremiah. Old Testament, David used to say, Lord, break their teeth in their mouth. But see, you and I aren't to pray like that. It's important. We'll get to that as we move along. But every time the confession comes up, Jeremiah pleads for their judgment. These are called imprecatory prayers, praying for their destruction and vengeance upon them, the enemy. And they're found very often in the Psalms. Notice Jeremiah's reason for why God should answer his prayer is simply that he had revealed to him his cause. That is so simple. Why should I ask you? Because I'm bringing the petition to you. I'm depending upon you. And I'm in line with your will. You've already declared judgment upon them. Well, that is so good. You want to know how to pray and what to pray for? Then know the word of God. Align yourself with the word of God. If it's not in the word of God, if it contradicts the word of God, it's just a stupid wish. God won't answer it. But even when you're aligned with the will of God and according to the word of God, God is still sovereign. Like you as a parent, sometimes you say to your child, no. <laughs> no. No. Can you handle no from God? Or will you pout? He knows the end from the beginning. He knows what's best for your life. He was entrusting his cause to the one who could protect him. The word cause here is a legal term often rendered lawsuit. Jeremiah brought his earthly case before the heavenly courtroom, even as Isaiah did often. Remember? Oh, I need to bring these cases before the throne of God. Sometimes I have to deal with them. We'll get into that practically. But that I bring them before God. That I do not so depend so much on me. That I not be so ignorant of, of God's protection for me. Notice thirdly here in verse 21 through 23. The promise of Yahweh is revealed to the prophet. The judgment of Yahweh would be righteous, he says in verse 21. The Lord, in response to Jeremiah's prayer, says that the men of Anathoth were the culprits who were seeking his life. The city of Anathoth, as you know, was a priestly city. And you remember, Abiathar the priest was disposed there by Solomon for siding with Absalom against his father David. In fact, when we started the study of Jeremiah in chapter 1, verse 1, it says that the father of Jeremiah, Halkiah the priest, was from Anathoth. So Jeremiah was also. It was a priestly city. Now, whether Jeremiah had moved out of Anathoth or not, we don't know. Perhaps he hadn't. Because the men of the city began to plot against him. Interesting that Jesus said that a prophet without honor in his own home in Matthew eight fifty seven. One of the hardest things that you and I are going to have is that our own family members will not honor the gospel at times. 
You're not going to be God's greatest gift to your family at times. Now, there's exceptions, but it's very difficult. See, because they think that you smoked the big one or that you're into your next phase or something like that. Or they think you're weird. Or, worse yet, they think that now you think you're better than them. Notice the Lord quoted the very words of these men again. They said, do not prophesy in the name of the Lord, lest you die by our hands. <laughs> and I can see their faces too. Does this remind you of another prophet? Remember Amos? Preaching the northern kingdom before they went into captivity? And he said, oh, go prophesy somewhere else in Judah. Don't prophesy here. He said, wait a minute, wait a minute. I was a fruit picker. I was a sheep herder. I'm not a prophet. God called me. What's your problem? <laughs> go away, prophet. Go away, preacher. You see, people will flock to churches if they're not preaching the word of God. If they're preaching mind over matter. Politically correct messages so nobody gets offended. Messages that don't mention sin. Nothing like that. Churches are packed out. But churches that preach the word of God, they're hard to find. And people have a heart for it. Like Jeremiah's day. In rejecting Yahweh, they were rejecting the prophet who was bringing Yahweh's message. When you get rejected, do not get offended. Remember Samuel? He got offended. And God said, Sam, they're not rejecting you. They're rejecting me. What's your problem? <laughs> Notice in verse 22, the judgment of Yahweh would be executed with certainty. The authority is from the Lord of hosts again, the captain of the armies of heaven. He's never lost a battle. The one who is all powerful, the one who is all knowing, the one who is all present. The Lord would punish the young men by the sword and their sons and daughters by famine. The very thing, notice that, they were going to do to Jeremiah, God would do to them. How interesting. In the law, the law said that if for murder or any capital case, you had to have at least two witnesses or three. And the consequence was, if you found lying, then what you wanted to do to them, it would be done to you. The reversal here. What they want to do to Jeremiah... God's going to do to them. Their tree and its fruit would be cut off from the land of the living. And their name would not be remembered anymore. How interesting. Notice the judgment of Yahweh would be complete in verse 23. There would not be a remnant left of the men of Anathoth who were guilty. Read the context. The men of Anathoth who were guilty. Because after the captivity, Nehemiah and Ezra tell us that 128 Men from Anathoth came back to rebuild Jerusalem. So the context is, there'll be no remnant of those men who were guilty of this crime against Jeremiah. Not all the men of Anathoth, okay? This does not negate also the remnant that Jeremiah has been talking about, that Isaiah also spoke about in the end days. God will bring them back, okay? So the context will tell you what remnant it's talking about. So you must examine the context. Notice the one to bring this catastrophe would be Yahweh. It would be no accident or coincidence. This is important. Because so often people want to say, well, that's just coincidence. That's not God. Really. There were many people in Jeremiah. They said, oh, the Babylonians coming this first. It's just an accident. No, God's doing it. Oh, that can't be God. That's not the type of God I have. My God is love. Really? Okay. Do you have a two-headed coin? Try to go cash it. Heads and tails. Love and wrath. That's a full coin. The biblical God is a God of love. 
But when love is rejected, the only thing left is wrath. Judgment. It was Yahweh's vengeance on them. It was in direct relationship to Jeremiah's prayer. And notice the time would be in the year of their punishment. The day would be, without doubt, the last siege, 586 B.C. But notice their punishment was specific. Their punishment. And the phrase occurs two other times in Jeremiah 23, 12 and 48, 44. Their punishment. You will not have to give an account for the sins of your children. They will not have to give an account for your sins. Each person, if you do not know Jesus Christ, you will pay for your own sins before God. There'll be no point in fingers. There'll be no excuses. No justifications. Just the books will be open. And the truth will be revealed. But it doesn't have to be like that. Because Christ died for you. And if you open your heart to Him, He says He'll forgive you. He'll save you. It doesn't have to go that way. The story is told of one who, passing through a village, noticed some chickens with little red ribbons fastened to the back of their wings, between their wings. And the people explain, they protect the chicken from any vicious hawks that otherwise would attack them. The hawks are afraid of red ribbons, they said. Neither blue, nor green, nor any other color will provide the needed immunity from the attack. How interesting. When God sees the blood of Jesus Christ on you, like the angel of death leaped over in Egypt, the firstborn, he's your protector. No other color, no other blood will avoid the attack. He's our protector. There are so many things that we are ignorant of in our lives. And God is so faithful to warn us, to reveal them to us. Or even sometimes just to intervene without our even knowing. I wonder how many times God has intervened. Just save me. Just save my skin. And I'm doo, 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 doo. I'm just going along. I'm ignorant of it. I think when I get to heaven, you're going to blow your mind. All the things that God did for us that we're so stupid about. <laughs> God can give me a word of knowledge. I'm open for God to direct me, to speak to me. God spoke to me clearly. Just... And he doesn't speak to me every time, so I don't want you to walk out of here thinking that he's talking about something. No. But God gives me a word of knowledge. Remember, I was having vertigo for a while there, and I just couldn't get it. And I went to the doctor, and he looked, and no fluid in my ears or anything else. And, you know, and, and so he gave me these pills, and these pills, for 14 of them, $150. I go, man, what are these made of, doc? So I took them, and it kind of helped me out. But then it came back about nine days later. So he gives me another batch. And it kind of cleared up. And then about two weeks, I felt a little bit... And I was just coming into Sunday service. So I was on the freeway about 5.15, 5.30. And I'm driving on the freeway. And the Lord's voice says, when you get in the church, I want you to take a Sudafed. I take the little red Sudafed. I, you know, I figured, well, maybe it's just me. So I park the car. I walk in. And Diane's out there vacuuming. I go, hey, Diane, how you doing? She goes, oh, hey, how's your, how's your vertical? I go, oh, I, you know, I just felt the love. He says, you know what? You should take a Sudafed. I walk in my office, take a little Sudafed. I haven't had it. The Sudafed cost me probably about a quarter. $150? I like listening to God. You say it's coincidence? Not the God I serve. I hope He speaks to you. I hope you're open for Him to speak to you. Pastor Xavier Reese, using the prophet Jeremiah and the idolatrous nation of Judah to demonstrate both the loving forgiveness and righteous judgment of the holy and sovereign God. 
Now, if you've missed any part of this message, you can hear it from beginning to end again anytime online. Just look for today's date when you click on the radio listings link when you log on to CalvaryChapelPasadena.com. And there's much more to this study to come right here next time as well. But if your schedule won't permit you to tune in, as always, you can pick up a copy of this message. And the title you want to ask for is simply Service in Full Trust. It's available on CD for only $4. Once again, you'll be asking for the title Service in Full Trust. Or simply mention today's date. You can request your copy by writing Simple Truths. 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Or to make your request by phone, call 800-926-1485. Again, that's 800-926-1485. Or the address once again is Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. And thanks for mentioning the call letters of this station when you get in touch. This helps us track the effectiveness of this ministry in your area. Lean not on your own understanding. Pastor Xavier Reese encourages the more viable alternative, trust in the Lord. Next time on Simple Truths. Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese, a daily half-hour broadcast, is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. www.calvarychapelpasadena.com 